It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into this edition of the Skinny Podcast. It's the college basketball edition sponsored by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal and Rick Brewing from Musketeer Report. Before we get going with the podcast, fellas, you guys got a special announcement for each one of your sites. Yeah, right now we are doing something special at 247.com. Actually, just for our sites, really, a couple of the basketball sites right now, we've got a special deal that you just won't see very often. You Basically, you pay for one month up front, so it's nine ninety five up front, and then you get eight months of coverage for free. So nine months for the price of one. nine ninety five. you get either Musketeer Report or Bearcat Journal. Make sure you specify which site you're subscribing to when you're subscribing. Uh, but that takes you all the way to October. And that's ridiculous. And I just want to remind people, everybody thinks of these as just simply recruiting sites. And let's face it, the day and age of Twitter, you can get a lot of recruiting news. You maybe not get all the inside stuff that you guys can get. But you guys are way more than that. Yeah, I would say that's probably the smallest part of what I do at this point. It's a lot more. The reason people subscribe are a lot more about the podcast, the breakdowns, the just the message board conversation we have where not just me, but we've got like four or five other guys that are putting all types of interesting analysis out there on the message board consistently and guys who used to cover the team and now are lawyers that still come back in and just like writing stuff up and doing research. So there's all types of good stuff. And I think a lot of people are shocked when they get inside to see what it actually is. So if you enjoy our stuff, you enjoy the tweets, you enjoy the podcast, you've been thinking about checking it out this is the time to do it because honestly i don't know that this will happen again and this was a football deal the football sites are running it for five months for the price of one we've got a special offer on our sites that's nine months for the price of one so you're getting four extra months that you wouldn't be getting uh for joining our sites i've got a phenomenal staff that works for me helps on the football side justin berg my director of content for basketball is the best in the city at covering the uc bearcats so inside information you get a ton of stuff uh and you get first dibs on this here podcast there you go it's free but we put it on our sites as well and you can talk about us xavier fans like to go on rick's site and talk about me uc fans like to go on my site and talk about rick more so the latter than the former (laughs) And rightfully so. Nobody likes All right, it's pretty simple. BearcatJournal.com, Musketeer Report. We got a lot of ground to cover on this edition of the podcast. A day late, and that's that's on me. I'm, I'm, I'll take I'll take the hit for that. But Wait, uh, but Rick, I'll keep taking the hit for that. Rick, was he or was he not a day late because he was detained in Lawrence, Kansas, teaching free for, throw shooting for attacking the Kansas players' dorms to teach them how to shoot free throws? So this is what we're going to do first, huh? Yeah, I, I forgot about that. That is the best. That is truly the best. Someone's probably listened to this podcast and said, hey, I guess he can coach free throw shooting. I think I'll go try to do that. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm a little bit stunned this didn't happen to the Xavier fan base. Like, as, as <laughs> no, bad as I but think they don't have, like, a dorm. As Look, bad as I think they are They're about smarter it, than that. They're not as bad as Kansas fans, Correct. apparently. Holy Correct. cow. I mean, all he had to do was just send a note to Bill Self and tell him, run them till they're tired and then shoot, right? I mean, it's that easy. I, I, I came up with a new tagline for the show. What's that? Free throw shooting doctors? Just three guys... Trying to change the world one tired practice free throw at a time. I love it. I think it's a great concept. I think it's an absolute great concept. Because <laughs> people have been chirping at us. <laughs> oh, I saw. I know. The I minute saw. that this happened, people started chirping at us that it was potentially us. I pointed the finger at you because I knew where I was. And I had just gotten off the phone with him. So Which, you were detained in a Lawrence, Kansas jail. <laughs> 
there is that. Thanks for the bail, guy. by the way, guys. Which, by the way, uh, not everyone's on Twitter, so we probably should explain. Yes, Basically, explain what it. happened is Kansas lost to Oklahoma. Their big man was sent to the line, I think, for eight free throws, went one of eight. 0 of 6 down the stretch when the game was Including on the line. Including three one and ones Yeah, and, and and so they lost the game because of it. And so some Yahoo showed up at the dorm multiple times throughout the next day trying to offer him free throw. Well, I'll teach you free throws, man! I should say, an unnamed player. <laughs> yes. It, it was, the cops didn't specify who he was trying to teach. I can't imagine who it was. Come out of your room, I'm going to teach you free throws, man! Come on now. Coach Bill! <laughs> <laughs> gotta shoot them when you're tired. Coach Bill, you gotta make them run first. They yep. ain't tired when you're shooting them. It ain't simulating the game. <laughs> Coach Bill. Now, I will tell you what else Coach Bill could have done, as you know. You could have taken him out of the game he and gone offense defense. But I'll give yeah, him credit. I he admitted afterwards right. I should have taken him out. Right. But at the same time, you're like, all right, he, he, he can't miss this many in a row, can he? Well, it's a confidence thing for the Correct. kid. You're going to say, right. hey, I, I count. I right. know you got the next right. one. You, you right. want to build his confidence up. And again, fans get so worried. And I'm not saying this is the case, but fans get so worried about winning regular every, season games. Every get, single one. And I get that's a big one. Yeah, But this is Kansas, is. who has never lost their conference in 100 million years. So I think they like have, this year. Think they have a right. little bit of wiggle room there. I, you've built up some cachet, don't you think? Yeah. Don't you think Bill Self's built up just a little bit as a coach, too? Just a little. But, maybe again, maybe he's never rep free throws. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, have you been in Kansas I practice? Mean, Xavier didn't do it until we until started we talk, talking yeah. about it. And now look at him. They are money at the line. He, UC started it, and they're better now. They're better, but we need to work on them a little bit, too. They've got to get more tired. They're yes, going in the correct. middle of practice. they got to do it at the end. Instead of an extra defensive drill, let's get some free throw shooting. Can we pause real quick? We can. Monumental moment in this podcast. Groundbreaking. Out of all the dings... And all the cough drop I've ever seen him take on a podcast. He, uh, Chad just popped a p- cough he drop. He did. He usually has them stacked up. He has some recoils usually stacked up, but I've never seen him take them. He like has them there just in case. But Can nev- you confirm or deny? I usually have one. I just put it in before I come in, and I get the... the oh, so this isn't going to help at all effect. is what you're telling us. No, no, gotcha. no. Okay. No. The uh, fact and, that I... And the fact that it's a Luden's cherry, which is basically just a cherry lifesaver, for goodness sakes. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, actually, you got any more of those? <laughs> yeah, those are good, though. Those are, those are pretty tasty. He is, he's re- reaching right into his pocket for nice. for goodness sakes. Oh, and that's a Halls. That's yeah. not a Luden's. Yeah. I was, all right, let's talk about uh, UC uh, and their win on, on uh, Wednesday against Temple. Um, certainly the first time around in Philadelphia. Weird environment, obviously. There was a snowstorm, not much of a crowd. Uh, UC didn't play very well offensively, all those things. But, but I'll tell you what, at home right now, Man, they're just boat racing people. It's, it doesn't matter who it the is. Friendly confines of BB and T Arena. They're loving it. Are, are very nice to this may, Bearcat team. And I've heard. Are they going to try to stop construction on, on the renovation? <laughs> they're just moving. Yeah, just moving Permanent, over. permanently. Uh, they, defensively at home, it is impressive to watch them because they just choke the life out of people, and, and they've done it to everybody that's come in there. Yeah, I mean, uh, even uh, Mississippi State that was a that was a SMU. Yeah, a defensive win. Yeah, I mean that they you just don't get any airspace at all when you come in to BB and T Arena and play the Bearcats. Um, I, I'll ask you how, how much because the environment there it seems like has been pretty good because the crowd. Oh, been, don't tell John Rothstein that it, it hasn't. Like part of it, it, the student section's not huge, right? So you don't get like the rowdy. Like, you know, when Xavier's at home or when UC's at Fifth Third Arena and you've got the large student sections that are going but, wild. But I, you don't necessarily I don't, get I don't that. Know if you could anticipate I don't think it's been, that. No, I don't think you could. I don't think it's been bad by any right. stretch. Like, I don't get the whole, like, people are sitting on their hands. Uh, 
When well, my, my question is, what's leading to maybe an intensity level that's leading to a defensive performance like that? It seems like night after night at home. I just think it's a veteran. It's an old team, and they know, you know, they communicate really well, and, and the defensively, they just, they're, they're very locked in right now. Um, I think that also has something to do with why hasn't the crowd been overly fired up at BB&T Arena? Because they're watching the, the American. The, well, one, well, that. yeah, there's that. <laughs> They're watching teams that want to play in the 60s and 50s. That's why. And also because UC is beating the hell out of teams there. The games aren't close. Right. There hasn't, like, the the most rowdy that place has been was probably Wednesday night when they hit that spurt to get it to 30. Right. And Gary Clark had a massive dunk and, and Temple caught a timeout. And it was 60 to 30. And and the, the place was going wild because of, you know, the way Gary was playing. But about we haven't seen a media member do this obvious of PR right. since Jeff Goodman released the fact that Chris Mack got a four million dollar offer from Georgetown <laughs> for yeah. John Rothstein to go on halftime and say that UC's chances of winning the American Conference hinge on whether or not more students show up to BB&T That's, Arena for games so and silly. calling the place a library is an absolute joke. And I'll say, it's one thing to tweet something out that a coach hands you and wants you to put out, because let's be honest, every media member does that covering college basketball. To go on TV and actually make that your analysis during a halftime show is bonkers. Shows when they do Cincinnati games and John's on there, the entire panel just like shuts him out from talking about UC. I, do, do you blame them? No. They're just like, oh, yeah, okay, John. Great, shut up. They were all clowning him for that take because yeah. they knew exactly what it was. Yeah. I mean, he talks to Mick and Savino, and that's he's going to say whatever they tell him to say, essentially. I don't think it's been bad, but I also don't think there's been a whole lot of opportunity for the place to go crazy. What, uh, there hasn't been a game there this year that's like coming down to the wire uh, in the final five I, I was, minutes. I'm, I'm trying to look at it. That's when it gets loud. Is Mississippi State the closest? I think so. And that was a double-digit game the entire time. 15 was the final margin. So, yes, that was the that was the closest home game so far. So, so what, do you you ha- well, what are yeah. people getting fired up and, about? And look, and the, students don't know who Houston is. Some do. Some, you know, but, but the casual student doesn't know who Houston is, and that's the next big home game. Um, UCF isn't as big as it maybe could have been. I do think you'll have a great turnout student-wise. SMU was a great turnout. Right. And they fan-wise, dog crap out when, of them. When they play Wichita, you will have a good environment for the game that really matters the most on your schedule at home left, and that's yeah. Wichita, right? Yeah. I mean, there was 9,000 people there against Temple. Yeah, I think officially listed, I think 99, but eight, yeah. Eight, no, eight, 89. 89. Yeah, I'm sorry, 89. 89. Yeah. There was 9,000 people there. The place was full. There just wasn't a whole lot to get fired up about when you beat a team like they beat them. Right. Right. I, 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 think, I think it's silly, for goodness sakes. And I do think, like I said, when they play Wichita, when people know what that game yeah. means and the students know what that game means, and a chance to maybe at that point put Wichita away. Yeah. I mean, there's in theory, you could be three up. With a game in hand. With, with, yeah, with a game in hand, and Wichita would be three back and have no real chance to catch yeah, you from You'd first. basically be three and a half up on Wichita Correct. with three weeks left in the season. Yeah, so um, you will, that, that, people will understand the magnitude of that game. They, yeah. they just will. I don't think anyone saw that coming. You see, being clearly the front runner in this conference. I think I heard a guy on a podcast once. Yeah, I don't know. Must I, have been an idiot. I, I thought I thought Wichita had a chance to win a national championship. That's all I know. Best that's, what I was, in the country. that's what I was. That's what I was told. To start talking I was told about that, that back way. in the, final fourteen. Was it November? Late November. We were. I was told that. I think. Oh, I think it was September. We started hearing they should September. be talked about as a national championship. July. Contender. Might have been July. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was. It was early. Yeah, for, it was for last sure. March for sure. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, I'll touch on the UConn stuff after I get to the Xavier stuff. I mean, we didn't. Uh, 
Can, can we talk? Yeah, we can talk about the game. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It is because it was kind of a garden variety win, it feels like, right? It does feel like that. Um, Gary Clark got a double-double. Three other guys got in double figures. Got a few of the bench guys some, some minutes. Took care of the ball and defended their ass off. Four double-doubles double in a row for Gary Clark. It is impressive. I, and, and I go back to – I. If you gave me the player of the year right now, man, he'd be the guy. I'm yeah, not- especially watching last night, watching SMU and Shake Milton just absolutely vanishes down the stretch in a loss at UConn. I mean. Yeah. And, and that takes your shoe off the table again, too, by the way. Four teams are in yeah. again? or No, no thank you. No, SMU with, with, with Jeray Foster out, they've got no chance. Okay. So the shoe's off the table now. You're good. He's good. Yeah, I mean, and, plus and Tulane dropped another one. They're on the outside looking in at this point. I'd have they to should, think they should they should have to disband really looking rough. I, they, I, they should have to disband the entire athletic department if you lose to South Florida home. And they did make a late attempt to come back. Stop. Well, that's because their offense is getting better. <laughs> no, their offense is better. Yeah. No, it's getting better. But yeah. the point but the defense is backsliding yeah, badly. The point by twenty to South Florida that's at home. Possible. That is impossible. How the hell does that happen? Princeton High School wouldn't be down to South Florida by 20 at home. Well, there is the, the fact that they stank. God. There's, <laughs> hey, there's, there's, there's no defending Tulane now. They, they, there is that. They, they, they put themselves deep at sea without a uh, life raft. Yes, indeed. Uh, was there anything else from, from the game? I'm sorry that I glossed over that I missed. I thought I hit on just about everything. No, I guess we can move on. <laughs> I was, I'm just asking. Was there, was there anything else that stood out to you in that game? Uh, 1,000 points, 1,000 rebounds. That's pretty good. Fifth that's, player, that, fifth player in program history, and and we talk. The one thing that's impressive is it's not a guy that one night goes out and gets him thirty. The next is five, and suddenly look up, you're averaging seventeen point five a game when you're really not, um, right? Or gets twenty one rebounds one night, gets three the next, and you're averaging twelve rebounds a game because you're I, really not. The impressive thing is it snuck up on you because you don't really think like he's just it's eight rebounds a game, right? Like you just pencil in eight rebounds a game, and you multiply that times his career, and he gets to a thousand. There it like, is. It's his level of consistency is what makes him go down as one of the better players in program history. Well, and the nice thing about what you guys are just pointing out is that he doesn't he doesn't go get fifteen and twenty five against USF and right. then in a big game he yeah. doesn't Disappear. show up. Right. He shows up every single night. Yeah, the same way. Good team, bad team, whatever. And I, 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 that's impressive for sure. Oscar Twyman, Paul Hogue. It's a good group. Like, that's that's you're in pretty freaking good company. Too iconic and a and a uh, and a championship game player. And 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 you know who didn't have a thousand rebounds? Kenya Martin, yeah. Jason Maxio, Eric Hicks, like Fortson. Fortson. Well, Fortson's a different. It he, is, but he he would have if he had come back his fourth year. Sure, and that, and that's obviously fair to point out. But like when you start thinking about he the didn't. great names yeah. that aren't on that list, that's He's definitely not, yeah. one of them. So. It, it, it just and it's funny. It's all happening really fast for him. Like from glue guy that nobody really talked about to now all of a sudden the guy, the guy, and he's on the tip of everybody's tongue. I think that's awesome though because Gary has meant so much to the program. Yeah. He's been such a good kid all along. I mean, I don't pretend to know him, but anything you've ever heard about the kid from the time we first Nicest covered him in AAU until now. I've never heard one bad word about him. In fact, I've heard nothing but amazing things said about the kid. So you have to respect him for that fact. And then, like you said, he's not a guy who's going to be up there in the all-time scoring leader list. I mean, he scored a lot of points, but he's not going to be iconic name. But when you start saying one of five with a thousand and a thousand, that's a player who left his mark on the program that will always be remembered. And he deserves that because he's been that important and that good. If he continues on the path he's on, he's going to finish third 
in rebounding all time at UC behind Oppenheimer. Yes. And he's going to finish 16. Although they only points. did it in three years. That's <laughs> what Oscar did in three years. It's silly. It's maybe the most it's ridiculous stupid. thing in sports. It's stupid. Like when SK was, was going for 2000 and you looked and you thought, he's going to play one less year. And have 1,000 less points. 1,000 less points. And Oscar had 1,400, 1,500 yeah. rebounds or whatever it is. What he did in three seasons at UC is silly. Off, off the charts. But 16th all-time in scoring and third in rebound if he, if he continues at his path. And that's, that's strong. I have a uh, question to transition us if you're ready to. We're ready. Yeah, yeah I do. I, I, did, I, I, I just I, wanted to get to 1,000 and 1,000. And now we can I, get to his thing. Yeah, and then I'm going to come back to your thing. Go ahead. Someone did ask me on Twitter, and obviously this is about these two teams that we cover and we talk about a lot, because um, you guys were talking about the defense and how good UC has been. He asked, would you rather have an elite it. defense or an elite offense heading into the postseason? And yeah. obviously, you know, UC is ranked second in the country in defense efficiency. Xavier's ranked eighth in the country in offensive efficiency. The, right the only axiom used to – you're going back 25, 30 years was – Defense is going to win the NCAA tournament. That that was the old axiom. Yeah. Hear me out. That was the old because that was forty five second shot clock days into maybe no shot clock days. Where if you no three point line, correct, you could build a lead and and seven point lead spreading the floor out and defending people felt like a thirty yeah, right no three point line. So you weren't trading threes for ones. Um, all those things. If you can't score now, you can't win. I, I mean, you, you you've got to be able to get stop. I mean, look, you can't just be. I mean, I love what, what Loyola Marymount did back in the day and got him to an Elite Eight, but you can't be silly defensively. Um, there, there has to be a happy mix. But if, there, if based on, the, on that question, I would say I would rather be elite offensively and elite defensively in March. I would say I would rather have a killer. Either or. Like, All right, fair enough. If I've got Trayvon Blewett. This guy's taking that guy out or vice versa. This guy's getting me buckets. Not even defense. I'm just talking offensively. Oh, okay, okay. I just want a guy that I know at the end of the game I can put the ball in his hands, and the odds are I'm going to win. If I'm elite defensively, I can make that work. If I'm elite offensively, I can make that work. But give me a killer. It does feel like in the NCAA tournament, in the last five minutes of games, I mean, that's exactly what it does come down to is that guy is going to either get a bucket or they're so freaked out, he's going to create for somebody, or he's going to the line. And, and you see him run the sets over and over and over for that guy. So with that being said, how do you feel about this Villanova team? I'm, it's interesting about them. The more I look at their resume, I, I still think they're the best team in the country, but I don't feel as strong about them in March. If that makes any sense. I mean, they've been amazing on both ends of the court. I mean, just absolutely dominant. Even better than the year they won the national but title. But who's their really. killer? That, that would be my question if that's, your, if that's the thing you're going on. Yeah, and that's, that's what I'm getting at. Like, I don't know. Like, I, Jalen Brunson's Brunson? not a killer, but he, if you gave me the ball in his hands in the last five minutes and said— I would feel pretty good. —and say, we're down one, get me one, set me up one, or I'm up three and get us a good shot, get us the best I shot, feel I'd feel great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who averages, what, 18, 19 a game. So right. it's not like he doesn't and very score. Efi- it feels very efficient, too. Oh, it, it, it's yeah. extraordinarily efficient, and he's obviously a great distributor, and he'll be a point guard at the next level um, that, that distributes and, and not as much of a score. I always worry about having a guy who's six foot or right around there as kind of your best guy. Because it, Unless it, it, his name's Kimba Walker or Shabazz Napier. Well, yeah. But, but yeah, because maybe there's, a, there's, a, there's that guy on the other team who's 6'5 and is a defensive stopper and yeah. just takes that guy out and suddenly, oh, crap, I don't have – now they have options two, three, whatever. But he is the guy in the last five minutes. He's the one that needs to create for them. And he's, he's, he's been capable of doing it. 
He has. That I just I I want that guy. I know I can put the ball in his hands in the final five minutes. As long as you, I'm a lead on one end, and I've got that guy, I yeah. feel pretty good about rolling the dice. So if I'm Xavier, I feel great. If I'm Cincinnati, I feel a lot better because I think Jacob Evans has answered some of those questions. But I'm not nearly as confident as I am if I've got Trayvon Blewett, at least right now. Okay, so aside from that, just in general. In the tournament, you, it's shown that offense, you, you've got to score. Because this is what we've talked about. Like Cincinnati right now is shutting people down. But what happens when you get in the tournament and you face that team that has multiple options? It's and not even that, that has multiple it. options. Guys that can make guarded shots. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair. You know, it's everybody talks about like they don't play defense in the NBA. No, they play phenomenal defense in the NBA. They just make guarded shots. You're they right. just have guys that can yeah. make guarded shots. Eventually in the tournament, you run into a team that can make guarded shots, and you have to be able to match them. So as long as you aren't miserable defensively, like we worry about Duke because they're down near 100, right. as long as you're not miserable defensively, I, I think I would take offense in the NCAA tournament. I know that's probably not the answer people expect from me, but that's the the trend that we're seeing in basketball. Yeah, I, I think the point you just hit on is the most important one, the guarded shot thing. At the end of the day, great offense always beats great defense. Like You can guard a play perfectly, but if a guy hits a tough shot, there's nothing you can do to stop right. that. Like If a guy's in his zone, sometimes he's just going to make shots that you can't take away no matter what, even if you do everything you're supposed to do execution-wise and you're in perfect position. As it relates to these two teams specifically, I think there's no question you have to feel better about Xavier for the simple fact that UC is unbelievable defensively. You could argue they're the best defensive team in the country. Their raw numbers suggest that. But when you go into Ken Palm and you look at the average opponent's strength on the offensive end, UC's average opponent offensive efficiency is 295 right now. Xavier... While, yeah, they're, they're ranked 52nd in defense and, and they're improving, their average opponent offensive efficiency rank there of what you're competing against, and it's like, yeah, Ken Palm factors into... It's adjusted. It's adjusted for the opponents you're playing and the difficulty, but there's only so much you can adjusting you can do if you never have a bad game defensively because you're not playing anyone that can score on you. Yeah, and this is not a knock, but the, but the two arguably best offensive teams UC's played, arguably, Xavier and Florida. Um... I think what where's SMU and UCLA in offensive efficiency? Florida is ranked twentieth in offensive efficiency. SMU, we got scroll 40, down the list. SMU's forty first. Yeah, they're forty first. They're dropping because of where in the world is UCLA? UCLA's thirty fifth. I would have thought they'd have been higher than that. I watched a little bit of them last night before I went to bed. Yeah. It's not, 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 not feeling as good about that, are you? And, uh, well, and, and Florida, not, they shut down for yeah, the most and part. Did. Until and the again, end. I'm, I'm not trying to knock that, but again, the two best. Let's just, Xavier blitzed them. Two there's, best offensive teams they played no are the question. two losses. Yeah, right? there's no question. Xavier blitzed them. Yeah. I think they did a good job defending Florida. That's a game they should have won if they don't turn it over 21 times. Yeah, no, no. I, but I'm just. I'm, the point being yeah. made is the two best offensive teams yeah. have two losses. I think the answer, at least in this room, is unanimously offense. Well, and, and I'll, I'll give you an example. And I, I'm not going to take away from what Tony Bennett's done at Virginia and what he did at Washington State. The man's got a plan. It works. It, it's you know he's at two programs that the expectation levels aren't off the charts. So what he's done is really, really 42nd in offense. And and it goes to the point of if you gave me Virginia versus the field right now, I'd feel ter- I wouldn't. I wouldn't even give myself a chance. No. 
I mean, I just wouldn't. And if that's the number one seed whose quadrant you're in as a two or a three you're or going, four, you're, you're going, really going yes. Got a shot. Yeah. Yep, yes, got a that's shot. That's exactly what we were hoping for. Yep, got a shot. Um, all right, I want to get back to UC and their their upcoming game in a minute, but let's touch on the most recent Xavier game, the win over, over Marquette. Um, some quick takeaways from you. I thought the biggest takeaway, obviously you got Trayvon scoring 2,000 points, and, and that was cool and everything, but this, was, this didn't feel like the same as Chris Mack's win where it's time to reflect on him because we're going to have a lot of reflecting to do on Trayvon's career <laughs> right. here later in this Se- season. I mean, I Senior imagine. Day obviously is the one that you're going to – Senior Day. Same and then, for Gary Clark. I mean, the Senior Day is the one you kind of have the reflective moments. And then whenever their career actually comes to an end, but he's just got so much sort of story left to write here at Xavier that I would, it didn't even really phase me as much. Um, the bigger thing from that game and the thing I wrote about was you just saw the future of this team and how different it could look as soon as next season because Najee Marshall and Quentin Gooden and Kaiser Gates and Tyreek Jones and Paul Scruggs all getting out there on the floor together at different times and playing different combinations of that, Xavier actually looked pretty good defensively against a team that ranks top 10 in the country on offense. And, and, and Quentin Gooden gave them some offense, and Najee Marshall's going to give them, continue to give them some offense. So you turn yourself around a little bit defensively, but you still have the ch- potential of some offensive guys on the floor. Yeah, the, I mean, those guys are talented. They can't shoot the ball from the outside at all. Um, Najee's been better than expected. He's shooting over, I think he's about 35% now. Um, but yeah, you, you're absolutely right that Quentin just. After, Had a game. After having some really poor games in terms of not just missing shots, but turning the ball over from out of nowhere, which hadn't been a problem for him all year to this point, he turned it around and, and played like a completely new player, was aggressive going to the rim, dunked a few times. He, he had an impressive game and hit three hit threes. Three threes, which, yeah, three of three. You know, I don't think we'll see that too often, but... Hit. No, but let's just let's say... The, the interesting thing is you could see their numbers flip in terms of efficiency. Like, they could, with that group, and I think this is what Chris recruited towards... They could be one of the elite defensive teams in the country with Gooden and Scruggs and and Najee, yeah. uh, but drop a little bit offensively because they don't have the the spacing, the perimeter shooting that they've had in you know in these past four or five years. I think they'll be a lot better defensively. My inkling is, regardless of who they have on their team, Chris Mack's teams are never going to be like top ten, top fifteen defensively. But they'll be up there quite a bit and, and, higher. And, yeah, and a big reason for that is I think you can manipulate these Ken Palm numbers. A little bit in, ter- in terms of what tempo you're playing at and what style you're playing at. If you choke it out and really micromanage possessions and don't run up and down the court and let your kids make mistakes, you're going to look really efficient defensively because you're not having near as many opportunities where teams are running transition on you, getting easy buckets. You're setting your defense well, a lot other, more often. The other part, though, too, is if, if you've got a little more athleticism on the floor, you can create some live ball turnovers and also create offense for you. Well, too. Xavier will never do that. They'll well, always be last because of the pack I, line. I know they go pack line, but you've got some athletes on the floor, though, with some pretty good quickness that can get you a passing lane or two here and there. I, I agree with you, Skinny, but they it is their system to never get in a passing lane, and they rank dead last in turnovers almost every year. So I just do not see that changing. All right, Qu- Quentin Gooden, you've, you guys have both thought is a better shooter than what he's shown, right? I mean, from, I, from I don't school. necessarily believe that. Okay, I th- I don't think shoot. I don't think he's a good shooter at all. I think now but than what he has shown is my well point. better than. Three, and I'm not talking about finishing layup. I'm talking about as a, as a jump shooter. as a jump shooter. Better than three for twenty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was due to hit a couple, but like in terms of him ever being a guy who shoots thirty three percent or better, I don't know that that'll ever happen. All right, but is he capable though of sticking? Based on the other night, sticking a a a a, a kick a, a kick out wide open when teams are sagging off and not guarding if, him. If, let's say if he starts doing that, can says I'm not talking about making three of three every game, um, you know, two of five, whatever, one of three, whatever, a big one when, when you need it, and he's wide open. If he's capable of doing that, how much better does that offense become? 
in next year or this team? I'm this talking year? about this year. I don't think it matters. That's not okay. a, that's right. not a shot you're ever going to ask him to shoot. I mean, it it, do, it doesn't stretch the defense out more. They still don't care if he makes a couple every now and then. They're still and he going still to gets sag. where he wants to go. They, every team in the country wants Quentin Gooden to beat them by shooting threes. So even if he makes a couple more, like Xavier doesn't want to shoot in that shots. The other team does. It really isn't going to change their offense. If, if, if and he's shooting that shot, Trayvon and JP aren't. Good point. And I'll take those chances all day. Let me just day. tell you one shot I don't want to see JP take again is a 35-foot straightaway three. Did he got the bottom of the net. I'm going to give Go him credit. low. <laughs> he got the bottom of the Was that 35? That dribbles it up the court, looks both directions for a second, then goes, ah, I got this. I'll, get, I'll take care of this and one, guys. Air ball. Yeah. It is, that was like the little kid touching the hot stove. Mom's not looking. Dad's not looking. Mom's not looking. Dad's not looking. I know this is not the right thing to do. Ah! Except for the fact that Everyone was looking. Everyone was looking. His coach, yeah. his two point guards, everyone in the arena. It was, and it was like the audible. Oh, yeah. okay. It wasn't even a groan. Like, oh, you idiot! It was like, yeah, we knew that was coming. <laughs> it was. It was well timed. The problem it? is sometimes he makes it. Yep. That's that's the that's the problem. Yes, that's the problem. I will say, in addition to the the young guys defending and Najee and Paul really giving them a lift. I mean, because Najee Marshall is out here guarding Andrew Rousey. A six-seven forward is guarding other teams' point guards who runs a lot of ball screens. That is significant. It's going to really help them going forward. Something you brought up on the last podcast, though, Karim Cantor is not getting abused like we thought he would. Marquette went right after him for the first like ten possessions Didn't of the game work. in ball screens, and he kept him in front every time on his hedges. I, I, we thought we all thought we watched him and thought, man, this kid can't guard a chair. He's just going to give them some offense and at, at a time when they need some offense. Right. You have to give him all the credit in the world because that's one Pegues, I'm sure, who might be the best big man coach in the country, as we've talked about many times. And two, you have to give him credit for taking that serious because I, I'm sure Mac at some point pulled him aside and said, look, son, we know you're going to score. I can't give you more minutes until you do this. I'm going to need you to defend. And the kid took it to heart. And he has not been abused. He has not. Teams have not been able to take advantage of him. And that defensively, they their number says fifty one or whatever it is. They're trending up. Yeah, they're number two in the Big East since conference play started. They're trending up. Yeah, and that's a very good sign for them as with March a month away. Yeah, no doubt. Because they're not. And they're not having near the problems that we anticipated that they were going to have in conference play, outside of Villanova on the road. Yeah, teams are not abusing them defense. I mean, you, there's been a couple early in the conference, but we're not looking at their scores anymore. Where the opponents are scoring 86, really, it's Vil- or 92. It's the early Marquette game. Marquette got them a little bit at Marquette, even though they won the game and Xavier scored a ton of points as well. Villanova crushed them, and then St. John's got them. But even factoring in that St. John's game, which was over the last four, over the last four games, they're holding teams well under a point per possession. Which, if this team holds anyone under a point possession, they're winning. Point nine nine. Yeah, you're they're good. Winning. Yeah. Speaking of St. John's, that's next on the schedule, um, and it is in, in the in the band box in Carnesecca Hall. Is it a dangerous spot, or do you feel like they're playing playing well enough, consistently enough right now to overcome whatever adversity they might face on Saturday? They're on such a roll that I'm tempted to say Xavier wins this game, but I've had this penciled in as a loss most of the season. Um, the, the one thing is, like, St. John's cannot win a game. They cannot figure yeah, no out matter, how to yeah. come away with a win, no matter how well they play, no matter how close they are at the end. Some would think that may be a coaching issue. I'm not saying I'm one of them, but some people would say. But he's that, no Kevin Alley. <laughs> yeah, that was coming. He's he's on his way. <laughs> he's on his way. He just isn't landing as good of recruits, apparently. Yeah, we're gonna get to that in a minute too. 
Uh, but, Got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So we can pretty much move on, but I do think that's going to be a really difficult game for them, and they're coming off a long layoff, so I think that might be one they drop. Yeah. All right, and, and next up for UC is Memphis at Memphis on Saturday. They they have certainly, I think, to some degree, from a performance standpoint, overachieved. Is well, it- Tubby Smith pulled a Richard Skinner in the locker room after the UC game and lost his mind for like 45 minutes. Coaches. Coaches. And they're four and two cents. Now yeah. – Here's the funny thing, and this is this is inside information on this here okay. podcast. I like it. I, I did some checking on that because they started to play better, and I thought, hey, Tubby getting after him, turned him around. I'm going to guess the schedule kind of helped that. Am I right? One. But two, I was told that after that, the team revolted <laughs> and basically... We ain't listening to this cat no longer? Yeah, until Tubby had to apologize. And tell wow. them he was sorry. Wow. And tell them that he would never speak to them like that again. Wow. Don't back down, bro. Don't do it. And he did. And now they're playing well. All right. I mean, if that's not the like most clear-cut Millennial. case of a coach being out of touch and not relating to his players, it's... Can you... Like, yeah, I, I read can, that. I can absolutely believe I that. I read that and I went, are you freaking... Like, I re- like, maybe he got personal. And maybe he regretted getting. Personal. Oh, he questioned manhood. It was well. That's okay. You could hear him down the hall. That's all right. You could hear him down the hall. <laughs> Sp- spoken like a true coach who has trouble relating to his young players. <laughs> that's all right. But had to apologize and and tell them he was sorry and that he would never speak to them. Like then I'd that question again. his manhood. Papa Tubby is uh, man, um, but it, it is a dangerous spot. A little because they're 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 good at home. Mm-hmm. I think they've only lost one game in FedEx Arena all year, um, but. You see offensively away from home. It has struggled at times. Yeah. You, I can't imagine Memphis is I would say, problem. and they're not getting crowds. No. Uh, they may get a little bit, bit, of, a, bit of a bump, a bump with UC coming to town. Coming but but I, I, if you were to tell me this was the Memphis of not whatever, of a vintage enough where the fans really cared about that team. Four years team, ago, five yeah. years ago. And an undefeated number one team in the league, um, in. Top, top 10, 10 team yeah. in, the, in, the, in the nation that is coming in. That place would be 18,000. Yes. Would yes. be rabid. Here's the reality of the situation. You see, I'll set the line at 17 and a half, and both of you will not be tempted to take the under. The, I would be the, tempted the, the, to the, take the, the under. The under? You mean, or the points? No, the points. I mean, under the 17 and a half line. I'm not saying over under as like the actual. So I, mean, I, I might take I, Memphis in the points. I would there. absolutely take Memphis in the points. Oh, I would. 17 and a half? Yeah. 12 pack. Okay. You and me. Okay. All right, good deal. I'm good. <laughs> 17 and a half. You would give me seven and a half. I, I would take. Cincinnati in seven and a half without question. No, no I think it ends I'm up. I'm being... getting Memphis in seventeen and a half. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'm just making sure of that. Yeah. You don't think UC will win by more than seventeen? No, and a half? I do not. Okay. No, I do not. Right. I, I, I'm. I, I think this one ends up. In I'll the go 12 s- to fifteen. I'll go. Probably. I'll go sixty-one fifty-three. Of course, I've been thinking that at home games, and and they keep winning by thirty. Good point. So good point. But they're 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 still good. They're not as good. They're not as suffocating. Not as dominant on the road um, because offensively they're, so they're go, quite a bit. So better a very comfortable sixty-one fifty-three wins. What I'm going with. Okay. All right. Twelve pack on the line. All right. I, I like that. All right. Um, Houston. After that, which we'll yeah, get we'll to talk. On we'll, yeah, we're going to talk about that on Sunday. That's why I was going to save it for then. All right. I, I, I do want to do this. I. Right. If you had one player from each team, you could poach. If you could poach one player from Chad, you poach one player from Xavier, and Rick, you could poach one player from UC. Right now, the waiver wire was open. They put everybody on waivers, trying to clear them through, and you plucked the guy off the waiver wire to help that to help, to help either team out come March. Who would it be? I mean, 
if you're looking at Xavier, the answer has to be Trayvon Blewett. But the question is, like, does that – I'm not sitting Gary Clark down for, for Trayvon Blewett. So do you – Gary goes to the five, Trayvon goes to the four? Like Trayvon I, goes I think, to the three and yeah, I think Jacob Evans move, goes to the one? Yeah, Jaron goes back to the bench and you have uh, that, Jacob at the two. You would put Jaron on the bench over Kyle? Yes. And definitely over Trayvon and Gary. In the selling well, case. You no, know, I'm saying Trayvon and Gary play the, the, the four and the five in yeah. my scenario. Well, if, you, if you're comfortable with the smaller lineup, which I wouldn't really have an issue with, I think you can easily get away with a Gary Clark at the five in today's basketball. Yeah. I think you could do that. I think it would. Could you imagine having Cumberland, Evans, my, Blewett, and Clark as your two through five? My my guess is Mick isn't exactly the type of coach that's going to go lineup of death. Let's go small and offensive oriented and run up and down and shoot threes. <laughs> but but there's enough length across the board, though. I mean, if, yeah. if you average the length out, I know what you're saying. You're right. Yeah. Um, and, let, and they're not going to play that way. Yes. Let me go no rim protection and run up and down and shoot a bunch of. Th- uh, my guess is he stays with the center. Gary blocks a lot of shots. There's and Jacob Evans might be the best rim protecting wing in the country. Okay, not no rim protection, but you're going to take out your center. I, I just don't believe Mick Cronin's taking out his center. That's to, fair. To get up a, a team that's going to run up and down the court and shoot threes. You could also take Jaron out, move Jacob to the two. I, 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 let me ask you this. But then I don't, I, don't, I don't love Trayvon at the three. I love him at the four. Man, he's, he's done pretty well at the three this year. Yeah. I'm not saying he's, he's bad at it. He's been more inconsistent at the three than I think he has. Your choice is an obvious one, but what would Quentin Gooden give you, see? I don't think much more than they're getting. Okay. Quentin Gooden from the other night, maybe because he's but but for the most part he's been passing, not putting up a great deal of points. He's bigger and more physical, um, which would change some things because UC's two point guards are small. But UC's been getting about the same thing from the point guard position that Quentin Gooden has been giving Xavier. So I would be more inclined to take JP. Than I would Quentin. Let me ask you: If JP shot a shot like he did the other night under Mick, how long would that last? Um, zero point zero. Whoa, whoa, whoa! He never played for him. He never played for him. Let's not forget whoa. that. Whoa! Let's. That one was off the table months ago, fellas. <laughs> That's true. This is hypothetical. I though. can't even believe you we're, guys would bring that up. The going, audacity to think that JP McKeer might play for a Mick Cronin. We're, coach we're going team. all the way hypothetical here, bro. That's we're going way up on Clearly. it. Clearly, okay. All right, all right. Your your choice. Who would you take? It's got to be Jacob Evans. Um, Xavier could use a wing stopper on the defensive end. Najee Marshall is developing. He's looking great. He could be that guy in the future. But right now, Jacob Evans is that guy. He'd be another scorer to add to the mix. So it's not like you're losing anything there by any stretch of the imagination. And he also gives you a ball handler, which Xavier has struggled at times randomly with point guard play and, and turnovers. Not that they need to replace a point guard. They don't need him to play the point. But getting another guy who makes really good decisions to put the ball in his hands a little more often at the end of the games, maybe you don't have JP doing two wild things at the end of a game. And as much da- – I always feel like Xavier runs a lot of downhill stuff too. As much downhill stuff for him. Yeah, I think they could get him going really well with their uh, – they have a little more pace and running the ball screen stuff that they run. I think they could get him going too. So I think he would fit in really well with the Xavier team, obviously. But to do that, you'd have to do what you are just talking about on the UC side. You'd have to move Trayvon down to the four – which isn't really a problem. They've already done that, put in Najee Marshall right. into the lineup. So it's not a huge issue, but I, I think that's what would happen. Najee back to the bench. All right, there we go. All right, let's touch on, on UConn. I, I, I've got yes. something for next show. Okay. 
I like it. Well, that, this is a good time to bring it up. But just to, to think about it as we head towards the next show, this has been an interesting conversation that's going on in, in the UC land right now. MVP of this team, Jacob or Gary? Gary. Okay. Oh, next show. My bad. Next show. Next show. We'll edit that part out. Next show. Edit yeah, next that show. out. Yeah, right, next show. Right. Now let's let's, let's touch on uh, on your favorite team and your favorite coach, UConn and Kevin Ollie. Apparently under NCA investigation, someone someone ratted them out. UConn. I, I'm guessing it's someone that wants to get rid of Kevin Ollie very badly, very quickly. Yes, has to be. Has to be. UConn released a statement today that the NCAA was investigating and they were cooperating fully, like hand in the cookie jar. One thousand percent, UConn turn themselves in I, I you won't convince me otherwise how many coaches at that level in today's day and age don't have a buyout in their contract that was something i was really surprised to see it's weird he doesn't have a buyout so if they want to get rid of him they, they just have to pay him 3.5 million dollars a year which i think is what his contract yes. is for however three years that are left on yeah. it or four years that are left on it so there's no way to get rid of him without firing him for just cause Basically. Yes, correct. And I mean, I, or you're going to buy them out for tens of millions of dollars at this point. And UConn doesn't have tens of millions of dollars because they play in the American. Right. Yeah, and so hence you're, you're, you're going to dig to try to get just cause on him. And according to the New Haven Register, it says um, some of the investigation, if not all, involves areas of recruiting. So, Shocker. I mean, I, yeah, right. I mean, so it, it does feel like your guy is trying to get shoved and shoved very hard without a, without a paycheck coming out the door. It, it has to be. I mean, is there anyone in the country or the American Conference who has been worried about UConn's recruiting? No one's saying, like, oh, man, they're just killing it. They're really screwing us out there with all these recruits they're landing. Don't get me wrong. They've landed some guys. None of them have done anything there. Development has been the problem. Yeah, I'm not saying they haven't recruited, but no one has been sitting around the last two years going, you know who we really need to get out of this recruiting landscape? UConn. They're killing everybody. As I got a text message today, wait, LSU has Nas Reed. Darius Days, Emmett Williams, and Javante Smart committed in the NCAA's investigating UConn? You know the old story. The NCAA is so mad at Kentucky, it's going to slap Cleveland State with two years probation. I mean, that's, 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 the, that's my favorite. Will Wade really tearing it up on the recruiting trail. Yeah. Um, but this, I mean, they're dying to get him out now. It's shocking after a big win like they had last night over SMU. Well, I think the ball, the ball was rolling straight downhill before that. <laughs> SMU or no SMU, it was rolling quickly in his direction, for goodness sakes. I'm not going to have to eat his shoes, so that's no, nice. No, you're not. You think whoever made that call to the FBI was like on the phone going, can I unsend that text? Or can, no. can I call the FBI back? <laughs> We just beat SMU. We, no, no, yeah. No. I guarantee you they did not. Uh, yeah, I guarantee, <laughs> They're 11 and 9. Yeah, I guarantee it. They did not. Right, let's touch on, on Kentucky quickly. They got a big game with, with West Virginia. Um, whatever chance to enhance a seed, yeah, um, they have a chance here. But it, it is a rough, rough landing spot for them. Yeah, interesting. Um, I've seen this bantied about some. So I, I had a, a friend that's an NBA scout. It was at UC's game on Wednesday night. So I asked about Kentucky mm -hmm. and he told me he believes, and there, there's a lot of people in basketball that believe Shea Alexander is the number three point guard on the board. Wow. What do you think? You yeah. agree? Well, I mean, I was trying to tell you last week that they had three guys that are in the lottery and four first round draft picks. And you guys were telling me I was an idiot. I don't know that he ends up in the lottery. I, I, I think it's a poor point guard class, but that's you're leaving if you're the number three point sure. guard. Oh, he's leaving yeah. without yeah. question. He's been he's been the best player on their team probably this year. He's out of, out of the one and done guys. He's been the most impressive. And we're gonna find out how good he is in a lot of ways on Saturday. against West yeah, against West Virginia. Yeah, I, 
you have to take care of the ball against West Virginia. I get that. I don't think one performance against a system defense like West Virginia's where it's not usually just one guy. Like, it doesn't make or break you as a point guard, I don't think, to well, struggle against West Virginia. And it's not just one guy bringing the ball up against that pressure either. Well, that, that's it's, my it's, point. It's, it's, a, it's a, a team concept. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not really like you're going one-on-one with a guy and you can't beat him, so therefore you're not good enough. And in the NBA, no one's running some type of system press at you that you're going to have that issue. Um, so I don't think it makes or breaks him, but it's a big game for him. It's a time to show. Like, if he can handle that pressure and push the ball through that press and, and keep attacking the way we've seen some other teams do against this this West Virginia defense, UK can win this game. You made a great point on West Virginia the other night. You can't TCU. Yeah, you can't back it out. You can't beat the press and then reset. No, just go, go, no, just, go, go, attack it. Go that's attack what, it because that demoralizes them. Yeah. Well, and if you don't, it doesn't punish them for pressing. Correct. You're just letting them completely off the hook for Correct. pressing all out. And TCU, they missed all types of layups. They threw the ball out on the baseline, just throwing it away because they were trying to play so fast. But every time they broke that pe- press, they went straight to the rim. Not even late in the game when they had the lead did they start pulling it out and trying to run a clock. They went straight to the rim. Missed layups, missed threes, missed dunks, throwing the ball out of bounds, whatever. They attacked, and that's what you have to do. And you know what that also does? Is that makes West Virginia have to play half-court offense. Yep. Yeah, right. I mean, they're because very, you're scoring. Right, they've got to take it out. They've got a chance to get back. They're very reliant on live ball stuff. If you watch some of the games where they have struggled, it has been when it has become a half-court them game. having to play half court because they can't basketball. score right at all. Um, this isn't. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Kentucky wins this game. It's going to be an uphill battle. I wouldn't either. But I wouldn't be shocked if Kentucky wins this. I game. mean, it's strictly going to be a turnovers thing because if West Virginia does not get the turnovers, I'm telling you right now, this Kentucky team. We talk so much about the defense. And it's legit. But they've played about, to this point, they've played about 80% man-to-man, 20% zone. When they play zone, well, that was before that, that game. They played a lot more. They played about 31 possessions of the zone uh, the other night against Mississippi State. Mississippi State only scored on six of those possessions, uh, six of the 31. On those six possessions, they had 14 points, which means they were averaging under a half a point per possession against UK's zone. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't shoot it well, but they also got zero second-chance stuff either. Right. So Coming into that game, UK had played about 20% zone, 80% man-to-man. Man-to-man, pretty awful. Zone, they've held teams to about .78 points per possession, which is extraordinarily good and would be one of the best teams in the country. It's a limited sample size, but my guess is, look, you can't tell this team, like you said, you ain't going to make it easy on them. You can't just tell this team to quit developing defensively and not get any better and just be lazy and start playing a zone every game. You've got to keep pushing them to be better individual defenders. But I have a feeling by the end of this year, when we get into the postseason, Cal's going to go to about 80-90% zone. And yeah, this UK team is going to be a lot tougher to score on. He, he does, but, but I, I, I think, and that's some of the regular season. Some of the regular season is you're still... You're still trying to completely figure it out, and as you mentioned, not not allow them to get lazy and just go. All right, we're just going to play some zone tonight of of having some man to man concepts. But when push comes to shove, and if that's the defense that's getting you stops in the tournament, it is win or bust. Regular season, yeah, you're looking to win games, but you're also looking for some other things along the way to build upon too. Well, especially with the if you're doing what Cal does at UK, which is this one and done, constant turnover, new team every year thing. He doesn't care about SEC titles. He does not care about winning regular season games. He does not care about getting a crowd at UK to watch them beat North Carolina or Louisville or Duke or any team like that. He wants to prepare his team, both with those neutral site games that he plays early in the year and everything else he does for March, because that's how he's judged, just like every other team in the country. But him, 
a little bit differently because of the way he's gone about things. So he prepares his teams for March. They always get better by that point, and I've been saying that for a while now. That's why I haven't given up on this UK team. That's one of the things I think you'll see. When he's playing to win, this team goes zone. They're so long because what do you do when you're an opponent against the zone? How do you beat it? Try to get the ball in the middle. Of the Try to get the ball in the yeah, middle. Yeah. When Mississippi State got to the ball to the middle of the floor the other night, they were completely flustered. The length there is just too much. Their big men are too athletic. They can stick with you one on one. They can overwhelm and, 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 you right and, and, there in the middle of the lane. And the closeout on kickouts off of that too, it, because of the length, is really good. It's just hard to get a kickout out. Well, yeah, like right. They can't there's get that too. They end up lobbing it back out, and yeah. then there's no and the closeouts right there. Plenty of time to close out. Yeah. It looks like teams playing Xavier in the one three one, where they're lollipopping the ball. Back and forth. Exactly. Now, the one thing to keep in mind, Bob Huggins' record versus John Calipari. Eight and three. Which, you, you've got the infamous story of Huggins has a heart attack in the Pittsburgh airport, and Calipari's cousin or whatever saves his life, brings him back to life, and says, can't let you die until John beats you. There you go. I, I, think, John, I think John's a great coach. I think Joey Meyer's a great coach. I'm going to kill you, mother... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, that game, by the way, is part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge, and I, I will ask this just from a national landscape perspective. Um, the Big 12 is cannibalizing itself, it feels like, on a nightly basis, where they just take just turns. No, no more than the SEC is. Well, but I think we thought the Big 12 was on a little different plateau than the SEC. Slightly, yeah. How important is Better Saturday the for the Big 12 just to... They're not going to win every one of those games, but to win the vast majority, to win, you get to the seed times, it says, hey, we're cannibalizing. Look at what we're doing. We just kicked another decent league out of conference. We're just cannibalizing ourselves. I, I, th- I think most people have that opinion of the Big 12 right now. I think most people see the Big 12 and the SEC as totally different. I think everyone thinks the Big 12 is really good top to bottom and they are cannibalizing themselves. I think most people think the SEC, eh, they're coming back down to earth. They aren't as good as they looked like they were early in the year when all those teams were ranked. So I do think this is big. I think if you, if what ha- what you said happens and the Big 12 dominates this challenge, people will use that as fuel to just say, see, look, all those teams are really good. Now the vice and versa, they might get eight teams in the tournament. Now, the vice versa of that is, though, let's just say the SEC wins the majority. I'm not going to give you the vast majority, but the majority of those Or games. a couple important ones. Or a couple important ones, like Kentucky going on the road and beating West Virginia. Um, Kentucky right now in, Kansas. In, in bracket matrix is I'll look it up here and say in bracket matrix is a six seed. So it's not like Kentucky is is elite. Moving the needle, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, so I guess the flip side then is what does that do to the Big Twelve? And then it goes back to cannibalizing itself. And then and you start looking at out of conference. You go, well, look that that league, league right there just just beat up on them. So I can't give you a lot of credit for beating up on each other. I I think I think it is important. It's a big perception weekend. Kansas is home against Texas A and M. And o- yeah. Oklahoma is at Alabama. So if those who's, two games flip... Who's got Florida? It helps the SEC. I'll look it up right right, right now. Real Texas real. A&M might not make the tournament. They're not going to make the tournament. They have just they're, they're, they're fallen. 12-8 and eight and 2-6, and six, I believe. They're not making the tournament. No. I mean, they'd have to go 10-0 and 0 stretch. Yeah, that's not good. Florida has Baylor <laughs> at home. They should win that. <clears throat> Baylor's just been up and down. So has Florida. Yeah. But at home, you would think in the O-Dome. South Carolina. At home. O-Dome. At home. Yeah. 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 That so. terrible South Carolina team that you guys told me no one should ever lose to on the road. Shouldn't. I'm just saying. I mean, they're ranked 69th in the country right now nice. by Ken Palm. If they were in the American, we'd be talking about them as one of the best teams in the country. Go, go, win, go win a game like this. 
Go, go win more games. So I can tell you, go, go win more games. I mean, I don't disagree with you. I just don't think it's a terrible loss on the road when you guys act like UK is done because they lost at South Carolina. Oh, see, now here comes the stretch. D- done. You, I'll pull up the audio. No, I said they won't make the second weekend. No, I'll no. stand by the second weekend. Well, that weekend. was a different conversation, but you guys were crushing them, and the reason being that you can't lose to South Carolina at South Carolina, a top 75 team in the country. A tier one win. But you got a you, tier one loss. You, yeah, in this yeah, case, yeah, a tier yeah, one loss. You yes, you got to win it for it to be a tier one. Exactly, exactly. That that's the point. Um, as we're doing this on a Friday, um, NKU plays um, plays Oakland. Big game. It, it, if NKU wins this game, and we'll we'll talk in that terms because it, we get in trouble every time we do. I, that. I know, but Oakland's buried though, right? If if they win this game, Oakland's going to come off the mat and make this a fight. I'm not saying a word. I hate you for even bringing this topic up right now. It has no shelf life for the he podcast. You're literally just doing this to make me a wreck for the next six hours. He does this every week about NKU. And oh, I'm it asking them you. every time it happens. Why oh. would you say that? All right, let, then I'll ask you this. How much is Tyler Sharp's performance of late helping NKU, and how much does that help their upside? You've got him rattled. Now he can't even answer a legit question. Well... Because I don't think he, I, I don't necessarily agree how much he's helped him. I, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know. I think their shooting guard position is an interesting spot going forward. I think uh, Mason Faulkner and Jalen Tate and some of those other guard combinations give him a little more upside than Tyler Sharp does. He's playing tough and he hits some shots. And I know John's really high on him right now. Nine of fourteen for three the last three games. Yeah, he can shoot it. No question about it. Um, and he plays tough. He plays hard. Okay, you're you're, you're not going to talk NKU. I can just see it coming. He's you're not. Too well, nervous. What do you want me? To- I just we'll talk I mean, about it Sunday. We'll talk about it Sunday. All right. So, so you're not going to you don't want you don't want to bury Oakland yet. No. If they win, Oakland's not buried. Correct. Okay. I mean, I I thought you know you win this game, you make it a two horse race, and you think they're better than Wright State, and pretty much you bury the main competition, right? Right. Okay. What do you think of Oakland, Michigan? Any thoughts? I think it's a fine city. A Better. fine city and a fine state with lots of basketball talent. And I think Oakland's the most talented team in this what, conference. What do you think still. of TJ Kelly? <laughs> Oakland greater than Dayton. Like by on the on the city power rankings list, what how many spots? Hundred? Yes. A hundred spots better at least? Not ninety nine better than Dayton. You could go to Flint <laughs> and get the contaminated tap water with lead in it. And it'd still be a better city than Dayton. I'd drink Flint's water before I drink Dayton's water. Wow. <laughs> so he's going to invite death rather than drink water from Dayton. Yeah. Okay. I like that. All right. Final take time, Chad Brown. You got anything? Um, man, I had something. Have Rick go, and I'll, I got to bring mine back you up. You got one, Rick? Should I uh, like live vlog the the Wright State NKU game at Wright State here in a couple weeks when I go up there? That'd be awesome, actually. That'd be good. Do you think it's gonna be a problem for me to go up there? Um, the I, Nutter Center. I, I would. I would. Well, I would say this: <laughs> mustache. Yeah. Glasses. Glasses. Ball my, cap. My brother thinks it's a legitimate issue for me to go. Like you I just said, you'd rather live in Flint and drink their death water than live in Dayton. So what you're going to tell me then, when you go up to Fairborn, We will stop well, get something to eat, get something to drink, use a restroom. You you will not have even bottled water from the hospitality room. Talk to other normal human beings before we go in. Once I enter that that greater Dayton area for you, Skinny, I don't want to call it all Dayton. The greater Dayton Dayton area. area. It is the greater Dayton. Once I enter that, laser focused. Oh boy, you better be packing heat, boy. That's all I can tell you. 
I, I, I do fear for you. I do okay. fear for you. So there you go. Is that your final take? Is, is you're scared to go to Wright State? I guess so. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm not scared, by the way. I'm going. Okay. I know you're not. We, we have something really important that we should have mentioned, okay. by the way. And it's a honest to God, we've done this one other time since I've been, I've been covering the team for 10 years now, I think. Nine years, at least, running the site. And we've done this one other time, and it was when I was with Scout. It's the first time we've done it at 24-7. I don't know that we'll do it again. But we are running a nine-for-one sale right now through the end of the weekend. Chad's doing it on his site as well. Um, I mean, buy one month for ten dollars, get nine months of the site. Right, so and, and and I will tell you, these two guys do do great work, and and it's a premium site. And my staff it, does great work, and well, but you run it. So, so but, but the point being is, it, it is it is premium content that if you are a, a deep seated fan of both teams and or the other team, and you just want to read something and get mad because he you know Rick wrote something that you're like ah just that's, that's not true, and Chad writes something ah that's not, that, it is it is it is good work, and and again, it's a premium site for a reason. And Skinny, you can even back us up on this. I think the comment we get most often when someone signs up for the site was oh i waited forever because i just thought anytime a kid commits on on the recruiting trail i'll get that information a day or two later for free online and then when i signed up for the site i realized it has nothing to do with your recruiting information that came out a couple days early that used to because that's what it was i mean 15 years ago that's what those those sites were correct that's what those sites were and now that almost has no bearing on what i do with my i mean i I do very little recruiting stuff in terms of like during the season and everything like that. Correct. We have plenty of information out there. But you do a lot much, of breakdown stuff. It's much more about the elevated conversation of college basketball. You just really can't get it for your specific team anywhere else other than our sites right Correct. now. Correct. And, and you guys do. You do a little more football with visits and stuff and, and, and guys who are showing interest. Yeah. And, and, and that's a big a part of recruiting guy, right. Shane Kenny, that right. does a great job. And, and that's a little bit more a part of the football landscape because you have more Correct. commitments. You have 25 spots every year to go through. And we're getting ready for signing day and, and shifting some focus to 2019 recruiting class. But you're still getting the best football and basketball coverage for the teams. And, and that's what I think differentiates us from a lot of sites is the, the, cover, the team coverage, the day-to-day team coverage is the best you're going to find in the city. There you go. So for the price of a lunch right now, you go out and buy lunch. You just skip it today. Don't eat. Lose, bag it. Lose, bag it. No, just lose a few inches off your waist. Right, I like it. A little, little um, uh, fasting and pay for it. And if you sign up right now, you're going to get coverage through the rest of the regular season, conference season, through the tournament with both. Are you going to the American tournament this year? Um, no, I'm probably going to have he'll still have exclusive. Issues. He'll still have exclusive coverage during the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament. Then you'll have spring and summer recruiting months, all that those important dates. Then you'll have... Uh, right leading up to the season, and and your you get to October. Yeah, you, you're from now to October. For and, 10 and I guess what happens in October? Basketball season starts, starts again, right? And so, we'll be back in this damn room exactly. dealing with the three of each other. Yeah, but you'll get a great feel for exactly how the site is yes. at its best during the middle of the season and when it's at the the off season. And both teams right now, you're going to want to follow from now to the end of the season, no doubt. And this no deal doubt. ends Monday, so. Act fast. Get on it. And, and there's also, you know, maybe some informa- some interesting information come at the end of this year that you're going to be interested in with Louisville's job opening and things like that. We'll both have an eye on that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. BearcatJournal.com. MusketeerReport.com. It's pretty simple. Boys, appreciate it much. Appreciate you, sir. All right. We'll, you. we'll be back on Sunday. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the College Basketball Edition, sponsored by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. For Chad Brendel and Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. Have a great weekend.